welcome everyone to a very patriotic episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. I told you, Andy, didn't I? Yeah. I told you a few weeks ago. What did I say? I said, I still believe. You still believe. Because it's coming home. We still believe. Yep. Yeah. England won. Through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And if you don't like football, don't even care. Get involved. Get behind your nation. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't follow, I don't not like football, I don't really follow football, but you can't help but, it is infectious, isn't it? What a night, is all I'll say. Yeah, fantastic evening of uh, Sport, sports, <laughs> sports and entertainment, yeah. ironically enough. Yeah, so. yeah it was a very good night last night, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, the first football match I've sat through, like a full 90 minutes in years, well, I used to go to turf more with my dad sometimes. But you didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> no. No, I, I, I went to a lot of live football games. But I you used to went for the hot dogs or something, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes I get half day at school. I don't know how they blag that. Half day at yeah, school? Yeah. yeah, a few times. I come out of school midday. So it's like, why does he need the, uh, why does he need the afternoon off school? Because he's burning till he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Well, it explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I assume I must have told him I was going dentist or something, yeah. Wow. Mm. So anyway, 90 minutes of football last night in the pub. Yeah, exactly, 90, min- 90 minutes. Well, yeah, I did stay for so 90 minutes. You didn't stay, didn't stay for extra time, but though, did you? But who was the life and soul of that whole pub? You, well, I will give you this, Andy. Right, so t- for our listeners here, we went to watch the w- watch the game at the, the pub, a local pub, a local a local establishment, a brewery yeah. in uh, in Portsmouth, England. Um, the Fat and, Fox uh, in South Sea. Oh yeah, yeah. it takes away the shine. We'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you there Saturday at three. Um, so uh, yeah, we were there, and uh, yeah, and Andy, you 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 suddenly got a bit ballsy, didn't you, when you were there and started started a lot of chants. So. When I first arrived, I was there with Curtis Chapman, who, who <laughs> we kept. Uh, I kept laughing because I don't think he'd ever been in a pub in, my, in his life. And uh, and we w- and anyway, we stood on our own, and we were still waiting for everyone else to turn up. And then all of a sudden, Dan McGee turned up, James Castle turned up, and a few of the others. And uh, but by that point, I was already really, I was really invested in it, and I was like, "Cool, this is going to be good." Like, because I was stood next to a bunch of drunk you know, 25, 26-year-olds, and they were getting into it. And I was like, oh, sod it, why why not? Get get in the mood, get in the mode. And then when you were all there as well, I had a, I had a whole new Intoxicate, yeah, yeah, to so show off to. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was good fun, actually. Yeah. What a what a night is all I say. Like I was, I told you like the best thing I the best decision I ever made was getting invested in this World Cup because it's just it's just something different, isn't it? Only comes around once every four years, doesn't it? it does, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a little confession to make as well. Go on. So the day before, uh, as, as anyone who follows me on Twitter at a Quilden knows, the day before uh, England's first game of the World Cup, I decided I needed an England shirt. Got one on the day of, and I wore that. And uh, every single time I've worn that shirt, England have won. There was one time I didn't wear that shirt. Okay. Against Belgium. Against Belgium. Mm. And England lost 1-0. So, all I'm saying... That's it. We'll wear it Saturday. You're welcome, lads. You're welcome. So, yeah. I believe we're going to win the World Cup. Right, we'll do. Well, by this time next Wednesday, we'll have half an idea. Hey, and uh, what's what's interesting as well is, um, again, I don't want to harp on football because obviously you've come to to listen to some wrestling chat, haven't you? But what is interesting is what I said to someone was... uh, 
So I was really loving getting involved with a chance and just screaming at the top of my lungs, arms outreached, you know, really getting in the spirit. And all the penalties were something else. Proper tense. You don't know because you missed them. I missed them, and, yeah. Uh, and I said that the reason... So basically, when I got into wrestling, when I became a part of the profession of wrestling, so when I was kind of like within the business, so to speak... Um, I kind of, I, so when I used to go to wrestling shows, I used to love the release that just screaming at the top of my lungs gave me. So, you know, like when you're cheering the good guys, booing the bad guys, you know, it's a lot of fun, right? At wrestling, having that kind of interaction with uh, the crowd and stuff and, you know, really getting involved and really losing yourself in that moment. And I, th I needed to replace that with something when I got into wrestling because it's kind of like the, the companies that I would have gone to watch to make lots of noise at I was now working for so to replace that I started to go and watch Southend United and uh, I used to go down Roots Hall every week and watch Southend just so I could literally scream at the top of my lungs Freddie Eastwood yeah he's our number one that wasn't the song was it not do you want a song go on so it was uh, there was a boy from Roots Hall his football skills were wonderful he gets a ball, he scores a goal. His name is Freddie and he's on a roll. Freddie Eastwood, Freddie Eastwood, Freddie Eastwood and he's on a roll. There you go. Cool. That was, a, one, that was yeah. a Freddie song. And I was there when that chant was actually made up. There was a bloke, he just he kept singing it incessantly, this non-stop for like 90 minutes. And eventually, like literally non-stop, and eventually it kind of caught on and everyone got it. And that was like okay. from that point on, like every week, yeah. Do you think it still goes on now, whatever team Freddie's at now? I don't know if he's still playing. But he, he made a little comeback to Southend. Um, but yeah, he was he was a good player, Freddie. Hmm. From that goal he scored against me. Anyway, this is a um, this is a wrestling podcast, isn't it? Yeah. But if so if this was me last week listening to this, I'd have switched off by now. <laughs> but now you're a football fan. That's so it. I'm involved. You'll be like, yeah. you'll be like, just please keep talking about the football. Hmm. So yeah. And all that comes after. So that was obviously Tuesday. We've had the busiest weekend I think ever, haven't you? We could tell one story before that, oh just football related. About the 2006 World Cup. Okay. Go so on, you tell it. Because actually, uh, my, my recollection of it was quite way off. In my mind, I remember being at, in Walkabout in Guildhall Walk at like 10 a.m. And England were playing someone. I leant across to order my Smirnoff ice. Within about five minutes of the game, I leant across. I said, can I have a Smirnoff ice, please? And England scored while I was not paying any attention whatsoever. So, but you, But you've told me that's not accurate yeah it's not accurate yeah I think it was probably around a midday kickoff yeah so um I can't remember who England were playing but we were in walkabout um like you say in Guildhall Walk where I met my wife Sainsbury's now um and uh we and like I, I like you weren't into football but I said you come along to this uh this game and feel this atmosphere it was something wasn't it yeah, like wasn't, like yeah. it was like a nightclub just filled with England fans when England were like had a bit of hope and spark and whatever. Who? I don't remember who were playing. Who were they being? Um, I don't remember. But the key point is, yeah, you missed that first goal. But enjoyed all the chanting, being boisterous and stuff. And I had nothing on that day. And I want to say you had nothing on that day. But then throughout the course of the game, you suddenly wound up getting booked on a FWA Academy show. Yeah, the rumours were trickling in. They needed a wrestler. Yeah. And Mark texted me. He said, do you want to wrestle tonight? I was like, I'd love to. Yeah. Down in Hayley But I just want to warn you, I have had a Smirnoff ice. <laughs> <laughs> At midday. Yeah. So, yeah, I wrestled Joel Redman that night. 
and uh, and I was so just oh I was full of joy beer. and yeah. beer <laughs> and and I was just having such a great time and everyone was like and I think you hadn't so you had nothing to do and I know there were some other guys with us I want to say like Eamon, Aviv maybe James maybe we met him at the show yeah. I don't know I don't remember but like I would but you were all going off to this show and I just didn't want my mates to leave me because I was so pumped up from this England game England but yeah, yeah one nil, so, it? so, it so I wound goal. up so I wound up uh, either texting or calling Mark and saying can I come and referee <laughs> And he was just like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. So, off we went. But before we before we got to the show, um, I remember we walking down uh, Commercial, Commercial Road, Road, High Street. There was a big fountain in Commercial Road, and as we approached it, you came up from behind me and pushed me into the fountain. I remember, yeah. That was bullying, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. A, it was a rib. You wouldn't have been able to do that in 2018, yeah, mate. That's all I'm you saying. Know, you're right. All yeah. right. Luckily, you could take it. So you took it like a champ. Um, and uh, and luckily there was no repercussions for stuff like that in uh, in 2006. Otherwise no. you probably would have been blackballed. Yeah, but definitely would have been arrested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Far more serious offence. Yeah, you know, um, punishment. But uh, that happened, and then then we went to the show. And I remember we got to the show. We turned up late because obviously we were watching the football by the time of it and whatever. And um, and Mark, I remember Mark had obviously had a go at the guys for coming late and I think obviously you were just well, an Mark, addition what, what Mark forgot to realise we had to sober up <laughs> so, and what Mark forgot Mark to realise what Mark had to realise was it was football day <laughs> 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 and, uh, and uh, yeah and uh, he was like what you know where were you I just want to clarify as well I wasn't drinking Smirnoff Ices <laughs> I was on the, the laddie beers you know just because I'm a lad yep. um, and not anymore back in the day I could drink now I can't um, and uh which I'll add a little bit to our topic of today's conversation later, um, which will show you just how what a bad drinker I am. Um, but anyway, um, when we got there, he and everyone got told off for being late and somehow managed to put the blame onto me, saying I was late to pick everyone up. <laughs> and Mark came over to me and was like, oh, you made everyone late. What are you doing? What are you playing at? And I was like, what? And he's like, you picked everyone up late. And I was like, Mark, I don't even drive. <laughs> Proper stitch up. Yeah. So that was two stitch ups in one day. Once being pushed in the fountain, once being grasped up for <laughs> doing nothing wrong. Bollocked by Mark. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were some of the horrible. They yeah. were some of the most bollockings I've ever had. Oh, I, re I remember. Yeah, I, d I remember watching some some of those mm. bollockings. I remember one. Can I? Am yeah. I why to? not? Yeah. Go on. Okay. So I remember one. Like it was at a after a Butland Community show, and it was Mark Underwood versus James Ty was a match, and it wasn't particularly good. And I remember Mark giving. Mark Sloan giving Mark Underwood a dressing down saying you managed to have a bad match with James Ty and no one has a bad match with James Ty congratulations <laughs> and I just remember thinking like oh poor guy yeah yeah he's right though like, no one did have a bad match with James well, Ty well true yeah. so Mark Underwood if you're listening hang your head in shame <laughs> <laughs> there's another Mark Underwood okay, I'm not picking on Mark Underwood just while we remember the name um he wrestled a match You're for... not sure where we'll talk about Mark Underwood again. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, while we've got the opportunity, um, he wrestled a match for... Was it... Um, John Fremantle. John Fremantle. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, John Fremantle is he's the old school promoter. You know, still runs... To this day, still runs all his matches in rounds and the tag team matches are in sessions. It's very much uh, British wrestling rules. And so... The point is he enforces the rules. The rule is law. So um, I'll give you a couple of little examples. I was once in a tag match with, uh, it was me and Mark Sloan, I think against Max Voltage and Aviv. Mark Sloan delivered what we, what we refer to as a low blow right in front of the referee. 
uh, to one of the lads, Max or Aviv, and then Mark got disqualified. So, it, like, in the middle of the match, completely unplanned, and um, and I had to wrestle the rest of the match on my own. So it was like two <laughs> good guys versus one bad guy. But that's the way it is. It's yeah. like the rules are the rules. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you another story. And about I think to an extent as well, that just before you get to that other story, I think that's what WWE actually likes to try to say they do and try to enforce. Right. Uh, and uh, there's rumours and innuendo that, mm. uh, that referees get bonuses if they shoot call something which oh, do shouldn't have happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the other one was uh, I was wrestling Aviv and we were sort of talking uh, strategy and there was an old school referee who for the life of me, name escapes me, Dave, someone. Anyway, he came in, can I make a one-off and swear to make this, yeah, to on. quote him. He came in and he goes, all right, boys, I don't want to see any of that WWF shit I saw last week. I s- <laughs> that you did. And like, uh, you know I mean? like, it actually wasn't even me. It was Mark and Aviv who had wrestled each other yeah. the week before. But like, it's just that, that that's the way it was. You know, you don't, you don't, do your high spots and whatever. Um, but but anyway, the the story back to Mark Underwood is um, he's in the ring. He's wrestling someone in the first round. So the five-minute rounds. He gets out the ring to kind of George out with a, with a member of the audience. I believe they're the first match. And I also want to say it's Mark Underwood's first match for John Fremantle as well, which I'm, yeah, because due to this mistake. Anyway, he got counted out in the first round. He got out the ring. All of a sudden... George, Jack, George Jack in with a crowd, Nine. not paying attention. Ten. Oh. Count it out, which is, of course, essentially a knockout. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's like there's a... Uh, within, within the first 30 seconds. And that's that. a, very similar to there was a time when Dean Malenko was wrestling in WCW. And I think it was like, I want to say it's Billy Kidman and Billy Kidman had to work all the revolutionists, revolution. Okay. The, and uh, there's like three different matches he had to go through or whatever. But the first match you weren't allowed to leave the ring. Okay. And, like, they did the first spot of the match, and, like, Billy Kidman being the babyface, or whoever he was working, it might not have been Billy Kidman, but whoever it was, came out on top, and as a heel often does, they powdered to the outside to, you know, regain their composure. Steve Malenko slides himself under the bottom rope, like, takes a bump, slides himself under the bottom rope, and it's like, ding, ding, ding! (laughs) You've left the ring. Like, the match lasted 13 seconds on a pay-per-view. Oh, God. Yeah. So so that was it? They didn't do the rest of the... No, it was it, yeah. So so Kidman, or whoever it was, I think it was Kidman, then went on to work the rest of them, the rest of the matches. But, like, you know, that was the first match. That was a whole match, which (laughs) probably was supposed to go 12 minutes or something, went 13 seconds or whatever it was, you know. I'm sure it's on the network. I can't remember the exact (laughs) pay-per-view. But it it was one of the ones after WCW's relaunch where... It was like, well, now we're going to push young, hungry talent. Oh, I see. And obviously before Dean Malenko jumped away. to the radicals. Yeah. So no. it was kind of in that period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, <laughs> back on point, on topics. We're going to talk about uh, Strong Style Evolved UK this week, aren't we? We are, yeah. Off you go. Okay. <laughs> Any so questions? first of all, I'm looking at your headset now and I can tell you that you're not ha- you've not got your headset correctly. Is that better for you? Well, it instantly sounds a million times better. Okay. Okay, Sorry. so tell me who, ask me who taught me where to put the who microphone. T- who taught you where to put the microphone? Well, Andy, this weekend I had the privilege and and honour, it really was, of working with the first professional commentator I've ever worked well, with. Well, that's hurtful, isn't it? <laughs> you know, man who's had sort of formal training and, uh, you know, years of experience uh, working at the top level, Mr. Kevin Kelly. So that was the first thing he taught me, was where to put the microphone. Um so there's not. I didn't just meet him. He told me straight. Well, I met him before and stuff. But. So uh, what I'd like to say 
is um, it looks like your search for a new friend is over, doesn't it? Yeah, because also Ollie, and let me just clarify, Oliver Bennett, who I used to do it with, he's now a professional commentator. But when we first started doing it together, we obviously we, we weren't. We were just two wrestling fans trying to sort of replicate what we hear on the TV without stealing lines, stuff like that. You know, we weren't going, oh, this one's going to be a slobber knocker like you hear some commentators do. But we were just like, we don't really know what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, my new best friend, Kevin Kelly. Follow each other on Twitter, text each other a few times. And uh, the beginning of a beautiful partnership, I think. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit jealous, but whatever. Don't need Don't you anymore. Anyway. We well. could get him to the cockpit every month. That'd be ideal. <laughs> and Southampton. Yeah, you put your hand in your pocket and we'll see what happens. Eh? Mm. Um, I'm not paying for, for you to replace me as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not paying for my own demise. But anyway, whatever. Strong style of old UK. And it was, I, I don't want to brush over that, actually. I want to say, like, it was real great having Kevin Kelly there. And I hope he can do a lot more stuff with us in the future. Um, but, yeah, biggest shows I've certainly ever promoted. Um, working alongside New Japan Pro Wrestling again. Um, and it was certainly an eye-opener for me on a number of levels. I don't know how you even want to do this episode, Andy, because like, I don't want it to be like, oh, let me just go off on a tangent saying about this, that, and the other. So maybe you can ask some questions. And well, we let's can do some bumps in the... We won't start with this, but, like... We'll hit some bumps in the road along the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned one to me before, which I don't think I remember you'd, t- you'd mentioned to me before. So that I think people be interesting to hear that. But no, I don't need that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Names that were, that were sc- yeah. Which were scheduled. Um, okay, so you've obviously had a bit of a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling for four or five years. And we discussed that um, you needed to have a bit of growth. So you've sold, you sell out York Hall near enough every time you run it. There's only so many times you can do that, I think, before you're like, oh, I need to kind of move up in the world. So I think you'd inquired about running a show at Crystal Palace, maybe? Not these specifically, but... <laughs> oh, so, not, yeah, not this specifically, yeah. So we'd looked at... So we'd actually, for the Global Wars event, we'd actually looked at Crystal Palace um, as, as a venue. Um, obviously, because it can seat an extra 1,000 people, I guess, and than York Hall, so that was I was looking at that as like a next logical step. Um, but in the end, I, I kind of stuck with York Hall. And I don't know what, what the mindset was, but um, I think that a lot of it is, as, as you'll find out as we talk through um, the process of running these shows, because I just want to emphasize these were the absolute biggest operation that I've ever undertaken as a, as a promoter, or as an event organizer. Um, so I think it might be interesting to fa- for fans to, to understand some of the stuff that w- we kind of go through in putting these shows together. Um, but um, when you run a show uh, for in a venue for the first time, there's so much stuff um, that pops up that you don't realize is even a, is even a thing. Um, like uh, I'll give you the example of the first time we ran your call. Um, a couple of things. Um, so they gave us a, uh, a seating plan which had balcony uh, seats on the seating plan and all the balcony seats were numbered um so when we put the seats out uh, for the about ba- when we did the seat when we did the seats for the tickets to the balcony we put the numbers which corresponded with the seating plan that york hall gave us little did we know that some of the seats on the seating plan didn't actually exist so we didn't find out until we got there when people were saying i've paid for this seat on this position and the seat doesn't exist so obviously we can reseat people but that was you know part of that hassle so as a result we wound up 
having unallocated balcony seats. So that was one issue. Like, so when you, you run it the first time, you realize the next time you run it, you you correct your mistake and do something different to, to make your life easier. Um, other little things like we assumed, because they'd given a seat, the seating plan with blocks and seat numbers, etc. We assume, and they said they said they lay they lay out the seating. We assumed they would sticker the seats with the labels. And when we got there, and they're like, "No, we we don't do that. <laughs> you have to do that." So the first show, I was sat there printing. Well, luckily, I brought my ticket printer, my label printer, with me. So I was sitting there printing out A1, A2. A3, A4, and I didn't realize at the time that my my ticket printer could do, um, it, it, it's got a way of being able to do like, you've just pressed A1, count up to 15, for example, and it just automatically prints out A1, A2, A3, A4, A5, but at the time I didn't know that, so I was just printing A1, A2, so that takes quite a long while, mm. so that obviously was an ex another example of something, and Obviously, then you suss it out. You know you have to do that. You work out the easiest way to do it. And then next time becomes easier. I remember the show started late or the doors opened late because we were still getting set up. And I look at the setup for the first Your Call show and how um, how minimal it, it was in comparison to what we do now. And like now, we can get in in the morning and we can be done by about midday. So, you know, it's crazy to think that we were all the way up until literally doors opening, trying to set stuff up, make stuff work and whatever. And that's just all a... It's all a part of a growing process and when you run a new place for the first time. So I guess I was probably scared of, um, you know, taking a dive and going into the unknown. Um, so that is why um, kind of we've stuck with the venues we know. Uh, and like, I can't, even when I was running Sittingbourne shows 2009, the first, few, you know, the first few shows I did there, like the week before the Sittingbourne show would just be non-stop work, working on that show. Literally, I don't even know what I was doing, but I'd be working non-stop on that show. Um, and then like once the show finished, I'd need like two days to recover from that show because I put so much effort and so much work into making them happen. But as obviously as you get older, you get more experienced, it becomes a lot easier to run. So anyway, there's a, there's a, the background of what, you know, when you move to, to bigger venues. Um, and And I kind of was worried about you know, if we, if what we, you know, what we do, I, I, I was worried that about, I was worried about having the right matches to, to draw crowd, like to get the crowd in, like, because that, that's another thing. What I didn't want to do was just move the same York Hall crowd to a bigger venue and have a half empty venue. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I don't need a, uh, I don't need a big, a big venue, you know, and, uh, but then like in November last year, we did um, our annual Global Wars shows. Um, and when we sat down with Gado, he suggested um, doing a strong style of old UK, um, where they sent all their guys to to England before they went off to America. Now, obviously, at this time is before they had the, all their schedule kind of nailed in. But like it was, it was like either they were going to go to America this weekend, just gone, and then fly to the UK to do strong style of old UK next weekend, or do strong style of old UK weekend just gone and then go to America and do America next weekend so that's the order wound up happening um, so in my mind I had one of those two weekends was going to be strong style evolved UK um, and in my mind I was like well you know if, if New Japan wants to do a more authentic New Japan show um, and have more send over more talents he said like literally all the boys will come over um, and uh, and my mentality was kind of you know if we're going to do this and it's going to be the first time you see New Japan guys versus New Japan guys and um, 
we can make this a big deal and we can find a bigger venue, um, which is obviously where we kind of went through all these different venues. And then actually, um, through um, Alex Shane, I can't even remember how we started talking. I hadn't spoken to Alex in probably years, I'd say. But somehow, I don't know if he called me like out of the blue or... And it, like, so I know the tur- I, 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 th- I think I'd start talking to him again after, um, after I was trying, like, I called him up to try and get the contact details for what culture about just a, a piece of business. I needed to get s- s- some information about the, the office behind what culture I knew Alex was involved. So I just kind of reached out to him, um, and we kind of got talking, um, having not spoken to each other in a while. And he had said to me, um, like, oh, I've got this, uh, contract with the ice arenas where you know where we can run shows at the ice arenas planet ice basically all around the country he said if you're ever interested in running a bigger show um give me a call and i think that that's when i was like oh do you think we can make this work and then i kind of decided we could and it was originally going to just be one day um and then the more i thought about it the more i thought like let's try and uh because obviously the, the benefit of, of working within that company, it was um, they have all different venues. So it's not like I have to then go on a, I have to be like, I need a venue up north and then scour for venues up north. I could literally say to them, what venues do you have available that weekend? So it kind of worked out nicely. You were able to do one relatively south in Mil- Milton Keynes and then one up north in Manchester. Um, so we did the Saturday and Sunday there. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of how that came about. Um, and, um, yeah, and I and, and Alex's team had run the buildings before for what culture. So because of that, they had a little bit of not well, they had a knowledge of the arenas, how the no, how the arenas ran and how they ran for the what culture shows. So because I was working with them rather than just stepping in and taking the venue, um, they were able to give me feedback uh, such as you should do this, you should do that, you know. Um, you, this this part needs to be draped off, otherwise uh, the fans are going to see the wrestlers walk in to backstage. You know, they they had some knowledge of the venues, so to me that kind of minimised the risk a little bit more in terms of like um, those little pitfalls I talk about. Like I wouldn't have to worry because they they knew firsthand the venue sticker the seats. You know, it's just little little bits of information like that that they have that can make my life easier. Um, so I, it was cool. I was actually um, Rich Dunn who uh, runs NGW. Um, was uh, was a guy who's like a, a the point man for me in terms of if I had any questions, I just spoke to spoke to Rich Dunn, and because he's a wrestling guy, um, he was able to assist me. And also, what was kind of nice about working with Rich was I helped him out a lot when he uh, when he first got started. I kind of gave him a, a lot of advice, um, and I guess was kind of mentored him a little bit in terms of like just teaching him my business model and how I ran stuff and he's done very well for himself and to the extent he's probably like the king of British wrestling now, isn't he? Running the, holding the contract to Butlins and he who holds that contract has the power. So, <laughs> so yeah. True, yeah. Um, so there you go. That's a, that's a, that's a background and that's where we decided to run, why we decided to run those venues. And I thought it was a good opportunity. I thought like, you know, it's almost like minimizing the risk as much as possible by trying to so I knew New Japan Pro Wrestling were a draw and you know so having those guys as as a you know as as for example the, the New Japan brand was essentially the Rey Mysterio do you know what I mean that was a 
almost the, the draw. That yeah. was the, you know, or like the British Bulldog when he did his UK tour, you know, that was yeah. that was a draw. Um, so we kind of minimised that risk a little bit um, and meant that I could concentrate on, you know, I thought the tickets would sell so I could concentrate on trying to sell the show and obviously New Japan were involved in the, you know, I, I could put some suggestions forward, but ultimately New Japan were involved in the, with the booking of the shows. So my focus was on, um, you know, promoting the shows and trying to, um, to make them as big as possible, um, which is, you know, something I felt very strongly about and something I really wanted to do. Mm. Okay. So, so yeah. you've had your venues, you've booked your wrestlers. Yeah, so... Uh, so we just interview you about the whole thing. Well, no, but I, I think, like, I, d- like, I don't want to go off on a tangent. Like, you, like, I can tell you my whole, uh, my whole journey, but I don't want to talk about things that yeah, okay, people aren't so interested in like hearing. That, because that would so just take too long. So, yeah, so, so I think, so, so for me... So you've got your I venues think, booked. Yeah, so I think you, if you just stay away... tickets on sale. <laughs> and uh, and you, if you just ask me questions about, you know, like, what you think people might want to hear, what people might want to know, I think that's a, I think that's probably the most efficient way of doing this. Okay, cool. All right, so if, we, so if we're going to talk about it openly, um, so you got some a little bit of stick on Twitter. No comment. Right, regarding... <laughs> you did. Yeah, I know, Regarding some yes. of the cards, like, oh, we thought this was going to be a genuine, genuine, sorry, New Japan show, but it, some of these matches are Rev Pro versus... New Japan, um, but okay. So, so, so I think to start with, let's backpedal a little bit. I think what happened was when we announced the shows. Um, so, the Young Bucks, Cody and Kenny had said they weren't going to be at the shows off the bat. Now, yeah, straight away, you knew that. Yeah. Um, so no, I so, so you hadn't so, advertised them. So, so I hadn't had. So, so basically, I had. Um, so originally, my understanding was for example, that Kenny would be available that weekend. But obviously this was November before they'd done the scheduling and stuff changed. Um, and then when it, get, when it as we got closer, they said, listen, um, Kenny's doing a thing in Daytona now. They said, but we've got enough boys to split the rosters, so don't worry. He's only taking a few boys, don't worry. We've got enough to split the roster. Um, and, he th- and just the guys like, for example, Marty... Cody and the Young Bucks are contracted to Ring of Honor um, first and New Japan second. So they don't enter the equation. When I when I book shows w- with New Japan, they don't enter the equation. So if I were to have the Young Bucks on a show, I wouldn't go through the New Japan office to book the Young Bucks. I'd organize the stuff with, uh, with New Japan and then I'd go to the Young Bucks and say, are you available on this date? We're doing shows with New Japan and they'd be booked independently. Um, but they had Ring of Honor shows that weekend, which obviously were completely independent of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, um, so wh- I think one of the main one of the main things was I think people assumed when we announced the shows that the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny would be on the shows, um, and we weren't in a position because we have to again New Japan do their stuff a certain way. You may notice a lot of their cards don't get announced until very close to the date of the show. Um, so we weren't in a position to announce names who are appearing and I believe all I could do, I couldn't advertise a show and say, and I I might be wrong, you know, but I felt like I couldn't advertise a show and say, this is a show that's happening, not, not scheduled to appear, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, you know, I felt like, I don't know, like, when do you, when do you do that? You know, WWE don't announce a show and say, no, not scheduled to appear, no Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, you know, like, yeah. so, um, so people, 
rightfully or wrongfully, when when Young Bucks and Cody said we're not there, then got uh, the huff saying, you know, we expected it to be this, we expected it to be that. Now, um, anyone who kicked up a fuss and asked for a refund, I just quietly refunded. It wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like, like to me, I'm not in it as as anyone who listens to this podcast knows. I'm in it to try and better professional wrestling, trying to further professional wrestling. I'm not trying to swindle anyone. I'm trying to present the best product possible and work with the cards I'm dealt. Now, I can't announce names, so I knew at this point I had Okada booked for the show, and people were like, Okada better be there or we're going to kick on, like, you know, like they were putting all these threats out. I knew Okada was booked for the show, but I couldn't physically say Kazutsuka Okada will be at these shows because I had to wait until I got the the green light from from the office and you have to you have to work within you know like you can't expect to have a, a show with new japan pro wrestling if you don't work within the way they want to work you know it's just it is they do business differently and that's so that's the way we have to work i you know i don't like I, I, I admire the way they do business because I think they've built themselves up to a state. So a few, just a, you know, again, I don't really go off on tangents, but like, you know, I what they're doing obviously works because look at the way their business has grown. Um, and also, um, I think it's very admirable that they that New Japan were able to have like three, essentially three huge deals going on over that weekend with um, some of LIJ going to Ring of Honor um, and all the guys at Kenny and Daytona, then all the guys with us in England. Um, but to have a roster where they're able to split it like that and still be able to present super strong cards everywhere, I thought was, uh, you know, it shows you the strength and the depth of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster. Um, so, originally we were going to have 14 guys flown from Japan, which everyone then kicked off about again, saying, this is just Global Wars, this is just a standard Rev Pro dressed up. The most we've ever bought over, I believe, is nine guys straight from Japan, and that wasn't including, like, obviously, um, you know, Jay White, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre right. Jr., um, who are obviously contracted New Japan talent, who aren't Japanese, it's just Japanese natives. Um, so people kicked off when I said there was going to be 14 guys. Um, and... Uh, and I just made that statement, put that statement out there because I wanted to be clear about what people were expecting. I don't want to kind of over-promise and under-deliver. I wanted to be very clear about what we were getting. So that's why I said 14 Japanese talents, etc. you know. So um, 14 Japanese talents as well as... Zach, Zach. Will, JY. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and obviously, I was I felt confident that we, we had... A, the, car, the, the talent they gave us was more than strong enough to to be what what to warrant this position um and i thought the tickets were very competitively very fairly priced as well a lot of people said you know like these are superly overpriced tickets but i felt like if you look at ring of honors like the, the their their ticket bracketing when they come to the uk it was in line with that and in fact there was more cheaper seats than expensive seats so we have the expensive front row seats but you know, the, as, uh, we come down in the brackets very quickly, so I felt that the shows represented good value for money, and they and and you know, uh, again, like I, I don't believe we ever did anything um, to I don't know, I, I again, like I think I was very clear about what I stated all the way along, um, and um. And yeah, we had we had a good list of names, and obviously you alluded to earlier the fact that um, there were a couple of names which uh, were originally scheduled that didn't come. So originally Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto were scheduled 
as a part of that, you know, the original lineups. When we announced the shows, um, those two guys were, were originally going to be there, um, but then they had um, some some commitments in Japan, TV commitments um, in Japan come up, um, which meant that neither of those guys could um, could make the card. So as a result, you might notice anyone who can do maths might notice there was an extra two Japanese talents there. Then so originally I advertised there'd be fourteen, um, and there wound up being sixteen guys flown from Japan um, because. I felt losing Tanahashi and Goto, we needed to add more to compensate, even though it would wind up costing more money in the long run. My, like I said, my whole mentality is about giving fans the value for money and giving fans an experience they're not going to forget. Um, I think one thing is really fans in, in the UK have been very spoiled by the professional wrestling they get. Um, and I think that um, I just remember the concept of Global Wars when it first happened was like absolutely crazy out of this world. But now it's become to be expected, um, and I think. Well, if you look at like the evolution of the whole import thing, it was literally in the FWA days. You know, we're going to talk about so, but you know, away from the Brian Dixons, you know, who you know had Skinner, Yokozuna, Greg Valentine all on the same bill. But like in terms of like the indie one shots, it started with one. You know, we'd have one, and then it was like, then it was like, oh, we got three at Uprising, the first ever Uprising with AJ Balls Mahoney and Jerry Lynn. Yeah. So that was three, and then it would go like, well, next next month we're gonna have just low key, and then oh, but AJ. So my point is, for it to go from like one, and uh, one was enough for to people spend their fifty pound on a front row ticket. Now you're bringing sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen, like that is amazing, and like. The costs are obviously, costs have only gone up, you know, hall hire has only gone up, you know, running costs have only yeah. gone up. And like, a, and the flights as well, flights. Where, like where it was um, obviously, again, like I, as I said to you before, so like, like it's hard because we we try, like I always say, we're not making excuses ever, like in terms of, you know, when do you, when do you run a show? So flights in, in this time of year from Japan specifically are super, super expensive in comparison to if I were to bring guys over in October, as an example, um, the flights are almost double the price. Um, so again, that, that adds on to the cost. There's no way to hide from stuff like that because I'm, and I'm of the mentality of, apart from the World Cup final, as I discussed last week, you know, we don't make excuses and say, oh, we can't run the show that weekend. And also, New Japan's schedule is so tight. They're a growing company, which, um, their schedule's getting busier, like, their schedule's already busy, but it's just getting busier and busier and busier, um, and we really have to work within dates. If they say we have this weekend available, we need to either make that weekend work or not do that weekend at all. So it's not really a case of, oh, can you find a weekend to wait until, um, you know, Ring of Honor. So imagine these moving pieces. Can we can we find a weekend to, work, to wait until Ring of Honor and New Japan aren't, um, you know, aren't busy? And then at the same time, guys like Kenny, etc., uh, aren't don't have their outside interests. So it's uh, it's hard, but you, you, we've just got to do what we can with what with what we have. Um, and and like I said, like I've always maintained that these these cards are super strong. I think one of the one of the misconceptions about New Japan Pro Wrestling is that it it is just a Bullet Club show. Um, I think in America, perhaps you could look at it like that. But I, but if you look at their cards, you know the tours they run on a regular basis. Um, you know, Young Bucks, Marty, and uh, those guys—they aren't on every on every tour. Let's like, say if it's New Japan have a, a big depth of talent. Like Suzuki wasn't on 
the last tour that New Japan run um, because they have such they have such depth of talent. Um, so again, like I say, like I don't think it's fair for me personally. I didn't think it was fair for people to be like, you know, this isn't like a New Japan show because a New Japan show always has this guy, this guy, this guy, this. Guy. They don't. So obviously the, the Tokyo Dome does, and you know the big, you know the G1 finals does, and stuff like that. Dominion. You know. Um, so, well um, done. Look at you with your product product knowledge. It's a, it's something, isn't it? You're a changed man. Um, so yeah, I think that's. Uh, I don't really remember what the question was. <laughs> Can I? Must have been a good one though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So w- so we've arrived at the date now. So we've got a venue. We've got our wrestlers booked. We arrive at the venue. No one wants to hear about, you know, you lost a bolt or something doing up the ring or anything. So I think let's so see, let's okay. see how smoothly the day went. So I think we need to backtrack again a little bit because, again, it's not just the day of a show where stuff goes wrong. So I feel like, so I had loads of stuff. Um, co- so obviously that negativity, co- there was, a, a you know, an undercurrent of negativity from some people. Like I say, anyone who asked for a refund got refunded. I had one gentle, gentleman, uh, I, we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, anyone who asked for a reason got refunded um, because I'm just like, again, I just want goodwill. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want people to say this horrible stuff. But again, I get, when a, it's easier to look at one person saying something negative than a ton of people saying stuff positive. Yeah. Um, so, and it, and it does it does eat on you because this financially was the biggest, um, we made no most secret about the fact it was us promoting the show. Um, you know, financially, this was the, the and, and New Japan obviously get paid for the that, that privilege. Um, but for us, this was financially the biggest undertaking that I've ever ever made, um, and it was the most ambitious undertaking that I've ever ever made. Like I said, normally when the guys come over for Global Wars, we can fit them in a minibus with space, sixteen seat minibus. And everyone's got two seats, you know, <laughs> like that kind of deal, you know. Um, but, um, you know, huge undertaking in terms of what we need to organise. So, obviously, coaches to take the, the talent from one place to another. Obviously, all the flights, all the visas um, and all the moving parts. For example, first time I'd run these arenas. And essentially, they are empty shells. It's not like you, when you if you go into a theatre or a nightclub where they have already lights and stuff like that. It's an empty shell. So, you have to have bring in your own production, your own setup, all of that stuff. Um, now, obviously, um, I I felt very strongly about the fact we need to take a big step up from our standard York Hall production um, and, w- and we need to take it on to another level. And that's exactly what we did. Long story short, that's exactly what we did. If you look at the pictures, you look at the footage, you'll see we've taken our production for those shows to another level. Um, but in order to do that, there were obviously a couple of obstacles. So first of all was um, Manchester. The building's obviously a lot older than the Milton Keynes building. If you, if you, anyone who went to both or looks at pictures of them, um, the Milton Keynes building is a lot more modern than the Manchester building. Um, but we we assumed we'd be able to have the same setup for both. Um, when what culture ran Manchester, they had um, hanging lights, so we assumed it'd be fine to hang lights um and obviously they had us they had set up with screens and lights and we assumed as a result of that that there's power to run a wrestling show right um but as it turns out what we didn't take into account is essentially i guess what cultures 
setup was probably like a, a souped up version of the setup we have at York Hall, which a standard power supply may be able to handle. But when you have all the lights that we had um, and the big video screens that we had, um, all that power, the venue didn't have enough power to sustain what we were doing. And as a result, we had to bring in big, hefty power generators. Now, the guy who was, uh, you know, in charge of production, he said to me, so this is, uh, he said, I hope this is the only piece of bad news. And he's like, uh, you know, we're going to need to get some more power in. And he said, there's two ways of doing it. He said, you can do it the cheap way, um, which I think would be like five, six hundred quid, um, which obviously doesn't sound that cheap, does it? But as I found out on these shows, when you're doing... You know, when you do a York Hall show, you might have an extra £100 cost here or £200 cost there. But, like, when stuff comes up on these big shows, it's not £100, £200. It's one grand, two grand, three grand, four grand. Yeah. You know, so, like, the costs ex escalate so quickly. And that's something else I think we need to take into consideration when we look at the cost of tickets. It's not just the quality of the show you're getting. It's, it's not just the quality of the in-ring talent you're getting. It's a, it's a whole production you're getting. Um, and, obviously you have to find the money to pay for that somewhere, you know? <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, so, so two weeks before the show happens, we realise we don't have the power. Um, so we wind up, uh, yeah, having to get a generator in. And I, and I just said, like, at this stage, we might as well just do the most expensive way because, you know, how bad would you feel if, like, or would I feel, or how stupid would I feel if I'd gone through all of that work to make these shows happen? We got there on the day, and for the sake of spending an extra two grand... The show starts, first match, music plays, lights out. That would be a typical British wrestling <laughs> story, wouldn't it? That would be, like, yeah. be a typical discussion for the, the 2020 version of the uh, A-Squared Circle like off, Wrestling yeah. Podcast. So, um, or a 2028 version. We did a 10-year anniversary of when, when RevPro put themselves out of business for <laughs> good, you know. Um, so, we, so, we went for the, so we went for that. And that was fine. Um, and uh, and then there was an, uh, then the next one was like, oh, uh, we've seen pictures of lights hanging from the venue, so it should be fine. But then like um, you know, we just need to confirm that they can that they can hold, you know, what we're putting up. Obviously can't, can they? So like we're <laughs> so the the ceiling is uh, the supports aren't strong enough on the on the roof. So despite so like I said, we're bringing in so much more equipment. If you look at the rig, there's like I think nearly a hundred lights on the on the lighting rig above the ring. Um, and if you look at that, you, you know, it's it's a very different, uh, you know, like I say, like at the trussing we have at York Hall, I think it has eight lights on it, you know. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, and these are heavy duty lights as well. So then we have to add, so the, the ceiling can't hold it. So the only thing we can do is add legs to the rig. Um, and again, anyone who's seen... <laughs> the York Hall rig go, go up knows it's manpower that does it but there's no chance manpower can take up a rig with all those lights on so they have to bring in machinery to to lift the lights up and uh and that added a, a big big hefty lump sum onto the the bill as well um and then it presented us on the day with another issue of we hadn't anticipated there being any any um, legs on the lighting rigs so the seating plan hadn't taken that into account so we, we then had to split the blocks of seating to try and make the view lines i know it's like see the the lighting rig is see-through but how upset would you be if you got to the venue and you're looking through a lighting rig the whole show yeah you know yeah, it'd be unacceptable so really, yeah. so we had to split the blocks of seating so that wasn't a case but obviously that wasn't on the day thing that we discovered that we had to get done so 
those are just some of the obstacles that we encountered en route to, to this show. Um, and then obviously, in terms of the cards, like just completely, un like, so we've had five Rev Pro guys on the shows each night. Um, and uh, as you can see from that, it was never designed to be Rev Pro versus New Japan, but just the way the cards fell, it almost, the first night almost seemed like that. If you looked at the, the, the running order, and I never, I honestly, it never even occurred to me. I was just like, we've got five guys versus, if you, so five versus 19. 19 guys from New Japan, five guys versus Rev Pro, yet somehow it, it came across as looking like Rev Pro versus New Japan, um, which again had people kicking off. And I did everything I could to ensure we got the strongest cards possible. Like, how, like, if you look at Okada, how many singles matches does Okada do a year? Like, realistically, on New Japan tours, how many singles matches does he do a year? The answer's not many. So to be able to get an Okada singles match is a huge, huge deal, you know. Um, and to be able to get the matches we did is a huge deal. And to be able to get matches where they were building up. So at Dominion, you saw the storyline between Ishii and Suzuki transpire, you know. To get them to run a storyline on their main show, their, their, you know, probably second, third biggest show of the year, to run a storyline for our show, to me, that's a huge deal. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, you know, I really got, I feel we got some great cards out of, out of it. And again, due to some of the changes, so obviously Tan where Tanahashi wasn't, um, coming anymore, he's obviously not associated, not aligned with Chaos, Suzuki-gun, or, um, or, uh, Bullet Club. <laughs> um, so Tanahashi could work. He'd, that you know that would have presented another option for us in terms of working other guys, um, but you know when we bought we wound up having more Suzuki Gun people coming and obviously as a result you can't have them against each other so that then limits who they can work and you know so really I feel like we got the best a real good balance and I think we got a, a group of deserving guys on those shows to me like Aussie Open when they wrestled Tanahashi and Juice Robinson um, in in New Orleans they proved that they're that on that level um and i'm looking at aussie open now as a you know a team that should be looking towards pushing towards getting in that new japan tag league and i think that new japan is super impressed with them and, and um and carl fletcher's only 19 years old and that good already um and like as tanahashi said you just need to work on that body which he has done visibly has done and and he's in the he's super in the hunt so like um you know i think those guys are super desert, deserving. David Starr, again, super deserving. A man who's made his, carved his own niche. And uh, and Walter, he's put himself in a position where he's, you know, one of the most sought-after wrestlers in the entire world. And I think he's a guy, you're looking at G1 next year. You're going to be wanting to see Walter in, in that, you know. So, to me, I felt like, um, you know, everyone who's, and Chris Brooks as well, like a guy who thoroughly deserves to be in that position, you know, um, and those are your five guys. And then the second night, obviously, we had El Fantasmo come in as well, who, who arguably was one of the highlights of the, the entire weekend. So, um, so yeah, so I, I felt the cards were super strong. I was very disappointed to see people in, um, you know, I, there was quite a few people saying, like, oh, the Manchester card's stronger. And, and basically what I've learned is you just can't please everyone. And I knew that when the shows happened, people would enjoy them, and they did enjoy them. But, um, again, like, I... It's just disheartening, you know, when you put so much into making everything as big as possible and you see some, some negative feedback. And I know it's just people being disappointed. I'm not having a go at the people for, you know, you, they can't help their emotions. Um, 
but you know all I'm trying to do is build something here because if this weekend's a success we can do more next year we'll grow bigger next year we can have more names next year we can do you know this is all a growth process. This is all a part of New Japan trusting us as partners. And, and even though we've been doing it for five years, like I say, everything I do is you walk, walk, walk before you can run. So this is us starting to jog now. So um, and our, as our relationships got stronger, you've seen the, the tag team championships and the heavyweight championships be featured prominently on New Japan pro wrestling shows. And there's really um, a real sense of, of unity between the two promotions um, and this weekend again just another opportunity for that to grow and the last thing I wanted was for people to walk away with negative feedback from the weekend because to me I wanted this to be a starting point I want New Japan to have a great time I want the fans to have a great time and I want to have a great time because I want to you know use this to as a, as a stepping stone to move forward and to continue to grow yeah well if you look at where you were five years ago selling you know however many hundred tickets it was to uh, bring Jushin Liger over you know you got to look go well where are you going to be in five years' time from now? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's I think that's important as well to reiterate. Like this isn't a, this isn't yeah, and this isn't a cash grab, and this is not a uh, this is like because if it was, I could have done a cheaper. I had so just again backtracking on the production. I had quotes for cheaper production, like much, much, much cheaper production, right? But I decided no, we're doing this properly. You know, so it's not a cash grab. It's it's about making something, building something, and and for me, um, I've always said, you know, people can say where will you be in five years' time? Where will you where will you be in ten years' time? Where will you be in fifteen years' time? I can tell you, I don't know exactly, but I can, what I can tell you is, I know that we will still exist. I know we will still be continuing to grow and evolve, um, and I know we'll still be learning lessons. And I'm sure along the way we'll take knocks, which will be setbacks, and we'll have to grow and rebuild, but for me, like we're always consistently going to be growing, consistently going to be evolving, and and for me, my partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling is a huge part of that. Right. So obviously, with the day of the show, Andy, you've had lots of. We I say lots. You've had a few hiccups along the way. You got your production there. You've sorted out all your problems. It's the day of the show, you know, the first show, Milton Keynes. Uh, we don't want to talk about. It. We're obviously not going to talk about the matches match by match because a that's not interesting. Um, and you can just watch them on demand. rpwondemand.com rpwondemand.com you watch them there. Um, was there anything you were unhappy about? You know, at the end of, at the end of both nights, is there anything you look back and go, oh, I wish that hadn't happened, or oh, that wasn't, that didn't work. Um, not physically, I don't mean like lights not working, like on the show. Um, no, so, well, maybe, so... A couple of things. So on the so on the day of the show itself, I was like, "My goodness, how big is this place?" The first time you always get that, you know, when you first walk into a building, you don't reckon realize how big it's going to be when it when it's like when it's got stuff in it, you don't really appreciate the size as much. But when you get in there, it, you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Um, then the show and and uh, that emphasizes the size of the shows. And then if, if there's anything that I thought I would change, so. I, like I say, like production, absolutely no regrets with. I feel that was was spot on. Um, the matches I thought were spot on both nights. Um, I really, really enjoyed the shows. And if you watch them kind of episodically, show by show, they really build nicely one to the other, which I, I know upsets some people. That, but like I think one thing I want to make clear is that we don't want. We could become a promotion that just does spot shows, 
Like in terms of, when I say spot shows, you know, just dream match shows where it's just like, we're going to see this match, this match, this match, this match. It just becomes an exhibition. It doesn't become professional wrestling, which is episodic in its nature, has storylines that you can follow. Um, it's very much short-term instead of long-term. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like in terms of, for, for the long-term, I thought that was really good. Um, and I think it went really well. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was great. Um, and um, if there's anything I didn't like, because obviously we were trying to replicate New Japan, their their kind of, um, their style. Um, and I'd say if there's anything I didn't appreciate as much, and I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. So for the commentary, um, obviously we brought in Kevin Kelly because he had the vibe of, you know, New Japan World. In, he's, he's like the face of international New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? So that's why we, we brought in Kevin Kelly, because we really wanted to have that authentic New Japan vibe. Um, and obviously, I called you up and I said to you, like, maybe, was it two weeks, three weeks before the show? Um, we're bringing Kevin Kelly in for the show. Um, I think you'll work well with him, because it's um, he plays very well off of, um, uh, for lack of a better term, a heel colour guy. Um, you know, he had a great partnership with Steve Carino. He's got a par great partnership with Don Callis. Um, and I said to you, um, and you can tell me if there were like any reservations on your part, but I said to you, I think you're going to get on really well in this role, but you need to, uh, I, I just wanted to emphasize, you need to put some research in because I know sometimes you can't remember what happened the show before. <laughs> so I needed to, I didn't want it to be a missed opportunity for, for us and for yourself and for, you know, to Even try and watching at home. So yeah. Like, so, so you, you actually mentioned it to me about a month ago and you said, oh, you know, to add to the kind of the authenticity of it, I'm thinking about bringing over Ken Kelly. And I was thinking, he ain't going to do that. It's an idea that will not come to fruition. Like, there was a time once when uh, Justin Roberts had just been released from WWE. And yeah. you had this idea of, oh, maybe I'll bring Justin Roberts over as a surprise, you know, to MC the show. Obviously, it doesn't matter. Looking back, it would have been a complete sort of waste. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I thought, oh, he's probably not going to do that. You called me up one morning, you're like, right, I've booked Kevin Kelly. I was like, oh, okay. And you said, but if you, you can do it with him, but your words were something along the lines of, but people are going to want to crucify you. Yeah. So you've got to do it properly. And uh, so I, I purchased New Japan World and I studied for two and a half weeks and I watched everything as I physically had time to do. Um, and I think... Uh, and, and because I put pressure on myself, because for the very reason of, I didn't want to ruin this for other people. So I knew there was going to be a big audience from America, uh, you know, Japan, you know, English-speaking Japanese people who might watch it with English commentary. English people, the guys who are at the show, there was no, I, just, I put so much pressure on myself that I wasn't going to cock it up. And um, so, yeah, it was a big opportunity. And uh, by the interval... For the first show, for the first half, Kevin was absolutely thrilled. I put it like that. He said, "Oh, a great job, and it's, you know, it's been great working with you so far, and look forward to doing the rest of the shows with you." So, um, and uh, and yeah, and so you were prepared, and you recognised the enormity of the situation, the occasion, and the fact that you could, uh, you know. <laughs> It's a big opportunity for everyone within the UK industry um, to, to be a part of something which is growing um, and to have 
I don't want this to come across as a knock on anything else, but like this is, you know, we are uh, a wrestling company that's out our sole focus is growing wrestling within this country. We're not looking at, you know, other avenues and, and what have you. We're trying to, to make something in this country. Um, and this could be the, you know, a huge start. We started five years ago, but this could be a, a next huge chapter in that evolution of the revolution. That's a, that's a catchphrase and a half there, there isn't it? Well um, so, um, so yeah, so you did that. Um, and uh, unfortunately, our ring announcer didn't. <laughs> so, um, bless him. Like he's like so. Dan, he he started up for us uh, our York Hall show, Epic Encounter. It was Epic Encounter he started, wasn't it, in May? So he's been thrown in at the deep end, so to speak. And his uh, his ring announcing is great. Like if you are, I did, like for me, like he's the best ring announcer we've had, including myself. But I know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, I know my shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, well, you're going to know your own show. Yeah. You're going to know the names. You're going to know the stories, the delivery. Yeah. You know what you want to achieve. Yeah. Um, so, um, I would have just thought he would have done a bit more research. I don't think he realised the enormity of the situation. So, like I say, like because he's just been literally thrown in at the deep end. And, like, he's been he has been great on our other shows. But he just didn't. No, you have enough product knowledge to be there, and I put, and I put a lot of heat on that on myself because I feel like I shouldn't have assumed that he would. You know, I feel like I should have, you know, given him the call and said, "Listen, you know, this is coming up. You know, it's coming up. We're a month away. Now's the time to start doing your research, um, and not get caught up in that situation." But I think that's just. Again, it's just a learning process, and I, I'd like to think that you know he doesn't let that happen again, um, because no one likes to feel like that, do they? You know, when you're putting that no, and I don't want to say because really he probably he knows he's <coughs> he knows he's let himself down. Yeah, but he 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 also has to live with the fact that he let you down. He let the kind of the present the whole presentation. presentation yeah, yeah. And and again, I and letting someone else down is worse than letting yourself yeah. down. And but I think again, I'm not I'm not here to knock him. I'm not, like again, I say I want to just reiterate. I think he's a fantastic ring announcer. I think he's got a lot of potential, and I think he will persevere at this and get very good at it. And I think this will be a, a if he takes this the right way, this will be a, a great learning lesson for him, um, which will ensure that he goes on to be. Uh, you know, a great ring announcer moving forward. Um, so, um, but if there was any disappointment, I'd say that was probably let the let it down a little bit. You know, because I feel like it, everything was just so slick and smooth um, that just that one little thread being out of place, it gave anyone who wanted to go to not have a good time, because there were some people who wanted it to f not succeed, as there is with everything. That gives them their one thing that they can be like, ah. The ring announcer wasn't, you know, yeah. didn't know the product. That you say this is an authentic thing. You should have bought over a ring announcer from Japan, you know, and like, ah, uh, you know, I'm trying, yep. you know, um, and uh, yeah, I think that it's just that was just an unfortunate thing, um, and not to pick on him either because he's a lovely guy and yeah, he, and I'm sure he's gonna he's like an adult enough to sort of learn from this. Yeah, and like that's why I've reiterated, wanted to reiterate yeah, again yeah. and again and again. It's not like I'm here going like, you've done this, you've done that, but I just wanted to address, you know, 
you've asked me, is there anything I'd like to would have improved and changed? And that, that would be one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, I think as, as, as events as a whole, I was very happy with the events over the two days. I thought they were great. I thought the crowd reactions were great for everyone. Um, I really enjoyed how the crowds got into everything. I really enjoyed how the show was built over the two days. Um, and the reaction, the two, the final two matches, um, so you had Zack Sabre Jr. and Kazuchika Okada, the reaction to the finish of that match was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. And then moments later, how do you follow that? Suzuki and Tomohiro Ishii went to war and had a, had a tremendous main event. Um, well, well, I sat there on night two thinking, barring the uh, Kanemura and Will Ospreay match, I thought um, Suzuki-gun won everything. So I thought we were going to have some chaos revenge. So when Zack Sabre Jr. pinned Okada, that was that blew my mind. And then, of course, when Suzuki won the championship from Ishii, because it was almost essentially almost a clean sweep. Yeah, it was. Suzuki and, uh, and his squad. And that was uh, that was interesting as well, because for me, that was like... Um, so, obviously, this is Gado's booking. I don't want to be, like, too much, like, uh, you know, pulling the curtain back. Well, I just tried to label it as a shoot but yeah okay well we know this we know this <laughs> podcast is what it is yeah, know. you know but like yeah. uh but what i just wanted to point out was um that was gado um but i learned so much from that because for me like when i was looking at it before i was like you know i could i didn't understand it as much as you know when you see it unfold you're like oh okay because for me, like everyone assumes that Okada's going to beat Zack. Okada's obviously in a funk at the moment because he's just lost his IWGP championship. Well, he's had uh, it for 720 you know, days. He's done his research. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Zack wins. And then it's like, it's almost like there's no chance that Ishii's losing the belt this soon after winning it. And it's almost like there's no chance that Suzuki Goon are going to get this uh, clean sweep. And then they do. And look at the dominance of them. Yeah, you know? they're my new favourite gang. And like a... You, maybe you could be in Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk um, to my friend Taichi. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that, do you know what I mean? So I ju like I just thought that it was just very cleverly done, and uh, and and it just kind of taught me a lot. So I thought that was a uh, yeah, I thought that was very nice. Um, so also, um, sorry, one last no, no, fine, fine. thing I wanted to add as well, which I completely forgot about, was um, just the little aesthetics we added as well. I was very proud of, like um, you know, we added the the hose for uh, for Yujiro over Tokyo Pimp. Oh, you okay. Know. So say the hose. Well, I thought you meant like yeah. water hose. Oh no, a ho hose, okay. like the Godfather's hose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we she added is the girls. Them, yeah. We added the girls to. <laughs> we added the girls for um, you know, Yujiro's entrance, and they look fantastic and were the part. You know, so little thi you know, like little things like that. I just thought I felt like added to the, the show a lot. Um, and also it was a debut as well. So, and I know no one really sees the significance in stuff like this, but the shows were also you had the debut of the great Okan who of course was uh, New Japan Young, young, young Lion Oka, um, and he's starting his new character um, here in the, in the UK at, on that show. Um, and anyone who knows the history of New Japan Young Lions and how they transform after their learning excursion and when they debut these new characters. So you had obviously Hiromo Takahashi, whose first match in his learning excursion was also with myself, but unfortunately he broke his arm um, and wound up going back to Japan and then to Mexico. Um, to continue his learning excursion, um, but you look at you look at him. You look at um, Jay White is probably the the most recent example of someone who's come back from a learning excursion, and showing Yo as well. Um, you know, it's a huge deal because I think without a shadow of a doubt, 
he's going to go on to be a huge, huge star. And everyone who was there in Milton Keynes, everyone who was there in Manchester are going to are going to say, you know, I was there for that moment, you know, in those years time when he becomes the IWGP heavyweight champion or, you know, because he may, he may well, you know, and, uh, and I think that, um, I think that's huge. That can't be understated. I think a lot of people missed the point when he was obviously advertised as a, as, uh, as a mystery wrestler. And I don't know what people were expecting. And I think, but I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, a huge surprise in terms of like a, a name value per se. Um, but instead they were getting a new New Japan character debuted on these shows. Um, so to me, I think that's a, a huge, huge deal, a huge plus. Um, and, uh, and I think people will look back on that moment and kind of think a lot more of it. Well, they in will, the, in the they future. will, won't they? When, when his excursion ends and he goes back to, you know, tear up New Japan Pro Wrestling, yeah, you know. And absolutely. And I, I, I always feel like, always slightly hypocritical saying this, but when you read some tweets and you've got people being like, oh, this new character, oh, didn't get it, didn't like it, wasn't over. These people, you don't get over on one appearance. Very rarely does it does anything get over you after seeing it once. It's people who have to get familiar with things. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. Okay, and I don't mean like he's going to do the same thing every match, right? I just mean you have to get familiar and climatized to this character. And there you go. In a year's time, or let's say five years time, the great Okan is probably going to be main eventing the Tokyo Dome, and everyone will be like, "Oh, I, I didn't see that coming." Yeah, and I, I think as well, like, I feel like uh, people should, I don't know, I think people want to be negative. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. They don't like but to like give uh, a chance. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of, you know, just give it give it a chance. So, yeah, like you say, like, I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be big, and I think he's going to continue to improve and evolve. And anyone who's seen him wrestle, he's very, 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 very good. You know, this is his first time with a, with a character. Um, and I think that's another story for, well, it's not really a story because there's nothing, you know, I don't have any experience with it, but I just think it's, it'd be very interesting. You look at the young lions and look at their evolution, look at how they evolve their characters and when they come back. And I think a big example is Jay White was killing it for us, like, I in in his matches, I remember he's, he had a great match with Josh Bodum. He had a great match with Travis Banks. You know, um, he's had nothing but great matches. Marty Skrull, you know, when he's when he was over with us, um, but he was never um, he was never treated by our fans with the same uh, level of prestige as some of the the, the favourites. And that and that you know that could be because there's a disconnect with the crowd. It could be because he's not got his character down yet. It could, it could be a number of things, but I watch the matches and like some of them, honestly, Andy, are fantastic. Like Jay White and Josh Bowden was what, which is on YouTube for free. So anyone can watch it. That was to me like the perfect way to start a professional wrestling show. And that was uh, at the Vader show that we spoke about last week. Um, and there was always that element of, um, you know, we're kind of unsure about Jay White. And then he came back um, this weekend and he was probably the fourth best seller on the meet and greet behind everyone, you know, with really? everyone. Um, and bearing in mind, he's been over all this time before and you can't argue how over he was in the in the shows and particularly his match with Carl Fletcher on, um, on Sunday was also tremendous. So, um, you know, it's just, again, just an illustration of how people grow, evolve, and people will be looking back at those Jay White matches he had with us before and looking back at them very, very fondly. Yeah, don't, just don't miss out. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't be like, oh, I wish I'd gone to that show now because the yeah. great O'Kan was on it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't give it half a chance. Um, and, 
and also um, something else which uh, which is very notable is uh, both Minoru Suzuki and Kazuchika Okada debuted new music at those shows. Did they really? So okay. yeah. So I was very nervous when New Japan said they were going to debut new music at those shows because I was like, because obviously both their themes are very iconic, mm-hmm. but essentially they're remixes of their current okay. songs. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like we can no longer sing with Suzuki, and it wasn't like Okada's song didn't have that same um, recognizable beat to it. Because I was like, that's the next thing we get done for. They're going to be like, you didn't even bring Okada out to his, <laughs> uh, his proper music, and I was like, music. but you know, like, well, this is his music now moving forward, you know. Sure. So. Um, uh, so yeah, so that was a, another thing that I think was quite significant about the show's new music for those guys as well. Um, so overall, I would say a huge success. Um, I think it was great to get some UK guys on that platform where they were able to show their stuff and those those five guys or six, or six guys, um, obviously we had Adele Fantasma the second night, those six guys, they more than held their own. They more than didn't. They didn't look out of place at all, um, and they all did a. They all did a tremendous job. So um, I think they can be very proud of what they've achieved as well. Um, and I think that um, you know, from all the feedback we're getting from New Japan is very positive. Um, the feedback from fans who came to the shows is very positive. Um, of course, you're not going to please everyone. I know you're not going to please everyone. So I know there's some people who are still disappointed. I know some know, know some people didn't enjoy the, the shows as much as others. And I know there's little. You know, everyone has their own little niggles that they don't like. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying the shows were universally praised. Maybe 99, percent but there was one percent who weren't happy. So you know, we no, need that sounds to like too many. It's 99. percent Sorry, one percent is one person out of every hundred. You're not telling me that 30 people left that building unhappy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That, wouldn't it? I don't know. You do your own maths, but whatever. Um, but I, I like I say, like I was very pleased with the shows. Great success. Um, and at the end of the shows, so we were talking about um, you being a lightweight, I think, at the start of the show. So what I did on the last day, so I can't even, even emphasize how tired I was. I've been having this headache. And we, we alluded to last week, I've got a stress lump on the side of my head, which I think is going down. So hopefully we'll just be able to forget about that in a couple of weeks. But, you know, that was there from the stress. I've had a constant headache, like literally a pounding headache, which is all to do with the stress. And I get like a dry patch. I'm showing you now. You see on my arm here, mm-hmm. I have a dry patch of skin, which whenever I'm stressed, that comes up. It's, like it's gone green. Um, it's, it's not gone green. Um, so so that, that came up. Um, so, you know, that, that stress was there throughout and like I was working so hard and the, the two those two weeks leading up to it in particular so the whole time it's been it's been hard work so obviously you're, you're sort of organizing the log- logistics you're organizing the transport you're organizing um, you know the hotels you're organizing um, the venues the production the meet and greets themselves were the biggest it was the biggest operation we've undertaken because we were very aware we needed to get them done in time so we had to have a slick smooth operation which I believe we did but it took so much work to make it happen you know so we had to we enveloped everyone so people ordered their, their prints in advance we enveloped them all in advance so you literally turned up you picked up your prints there was no messing around at the wrestlers tables there was no messing around looking for change if you wanted additional prints you went to a separate table and got those and it was just a smoothly run operation but like the work that it took to get it right was um was very hard um at, but it's one of those things that it's the first time we've done a meet and greet like that but like now we know that experience, we know best practice, next time it will be that little bit easier. Um, but little things like that, all of that that combined, just led to this huge stress. And uh, and obviously once the first night 
started, I was like, a big relief. It's like the ring canvas as well. We weren't really sure. So the ring canvas was ordered, and and we were told it was going to come um, the week of the show on the on the Tuesday. And then, like, I was, it hadn't turned up on the Tuesday. I called the guy up. And the guy's always been very, he's like, yeah, it would be done. Don't worry about it. But, like, um, you know, on the Tuesday, it was... Um, you know, it hadn't arrived and I called him up and, and they hadn't invoiced me either for it. Um, and he's just like, don't worry about that. We'll get, we get it done. And just when it's ready to go, we'll give you a call and whatever. And it was a Monday we hadn't heard anything, sorry. So I called him up and he, and he sent me a picture of it being done as we as we spoke. Um, you know, because obviously it was, a, it was a complicated canvas because obviously there's a white trim around the outside. And of course, we had a huge logo put on in the middle. Um, and uh, yeah, and stuff like that. Waiting for that to come hoping that it would be okay, you know, like, and then when it arrived, we then obviously put it out, at our training school, we put it out, but we only had a, a 16-foot ring, or we, I think we actually put it out on a 15-foot ring, so we couldn't see the, the full effect of it, um, until obviously we got to a venue, because obviously it was an 18-foot ring we used for the shows, so, um, you know, you didn't really see that full effect of it till you got there, and you never really knew how the production was going to look till you got there. And then on the day of the show, we like the for whatever reason, the the laptop wasn't rec recognizing the the video screen, so we were like, you know, literally, up until probably half an hour before doors opened, we were we were toying around with that, and eventually got that working. So all those things combined, I was just absolutely utterly exhausted from the weekend and I wound up getting a taxi to the hotel which was two minutes away it was kind of embarrassing you know when you you, you just have to kind of pretend you don't know how close the, the the hotel is like I was told like it was a five minute walk but I just I was just exhausted so I got a taxi to the hotel um, I said oh I didn't realize it was this close you know um, get to the hotel reception and like I'm starving, hungry. I've just got no energy to go out to eat, and I'm like, I'm and like a job well done. So I'm like, have you like, you know, I said to the guy, like, is there anywhere I can get food ordered in or whatever? And the guy's like, oh, we do food here. He's like, oh, I bet you do. Like, you know, he's like, oh, we got, you do your pizza. If you, is, and then he's like, oh no, actually, at this time we can only do pizza or maybe something else. It wasn't anything. He basically he was like, we can't be asked to do a proper menu at this time. You can have pizza and like it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I'll have pizza. And I was like, oh, I'll have a beer as well. Right, bottle of beer, bottle of Corona. And I was like, oh, can you take the, uh, and I was like, can you bring the pizza to my room, please? And he's like, we don't do that. And he must have seen the look on my face because I was just like, I was exhausted. I've never been so tired in my life. And uh, and, and the, the guy winds up just being like, he, he must have just seen the look on my face. And he was just like, for you, I'll take. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Right. So I took my beer up to my room and, I, and he came up a few minutes later with my pizza. And I ate my pizza and my beer, sat on the bed. And, like, there was an issue with the edit, and I was trying to sort that out. And it's like, you know, just the last thing you need. The first show was flawless. Second show, big issue. But as you know, um, you were called back into action. Just when you thought your partnership with Kevin was over, yeah. you were called back in last minute. Um, and uh, I rectified those issues. Over whilst, for the weekend, uh, whilst yeah, yeah, for the weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah mate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, rectified those issues and uh, had my beer, had my pizza, and I swear, I was so tired and so exhausted, and I'd, I'd probably not eaten enough over the weekend. I was pissed after one beer. Were you really? <laughs> yeah. I went to bed drunk on one bottle of beer. And also, um, one other thing I'd like to point out as well is the first night, there was a uh, Papa John's restaurant in inside the venue. I just wanted to point out, you know you've made it when the venue you're running has got a Papa John's inside. Yep. Charming. It's nice, <laughs> yeah. So, and also another note, Manchester was probably the hottest ice rink I've ever been in. <laughs> 
Well, Do you remember how hot it was? Well, the sun was hot, yeah. So. No, no, it was nothing to do with the sun. So, like, if you like, it was a, it was um, all the people in the building. So, like, if you um, so like when you went there to set up, you remember you were stood there yourself in the boiling hot sun. You were oh, inside the building and you were freezing at the start of the day. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, right. Yeah. So, but it, the building didn't get hot till the people came in because um, the the Manchester venue is actually smaller than the Milton Keynes venue, but it's got a bigger capacity because. Um, the, the way the tiers go, so the tiers go higher. So the floor space is smaller, uh, but the tiers go higher, so you've got more rows on the tiers. And also you've got the corner tiers, which you don't have in Milton Keynes. So because of that, you add like an extra 500 seats or so. So despite the fact that it's actually a smaller space, you've got an extra 500 people in there, and they're all on top of each other. Okay. And just the heat was just... It was massive. The only way you could get cool, really, is by lying on the floor. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, they're just boards over the ice. Yeah. So, um, so you know, despite the fact it was a super hot venue, you could always keep your beer cold if you wanted to. So, that's a, you know, there's a plus point for any any drinkers out there who, who like a nice cold beer whilst watching their wrestling. Um, but, like I say, that was Strong Style Evolved UK in a nutshell. The shows you can watch on rpwondemand.com right now. Um, they'll, go up, they'll go up on New Japan World um, shortly. Um, you can hear the job that Andy did with Kevin Kelly. Um and uh, yeah, I think overall it was a huge success. And, and if I was going to use one word to sum up the weekend, it would be inspiring. Because to me, it inspires me to do better. It inspires me to, to keep moving forward. And, and, and really, Andy, like after, I'm not going to lie, like after, you know, like, you know, losing guys, uh, you know, despite the fact I know I'm not being negative at all but despite the fact you know you lose the guys to wwe uk you see all the exciting stuff that those guys are doing you see um you know the world of sport wrestling is coming onto itv and it's like i've been slaving away at this all this time and it's like is there really something we can carve for ourselves here you know that's always a doubt which is in your mind Um, but then you run a show and it just reaffirms not only your passion and love for professional wrestling, but it reaffirms the fact that we have a product that we can be proud of. Um, and with our partnership with New Japan particularly, um, we have um, we have global stars who can help drive that product forward. Um, and just really, you know, it shows you the potential of what can be achieved if we continue to not, not look at what everyone else is doing and being like, oh, I wish we were doing that. Or, you know not look at everyone else look at ourselves concentrate on ourselves continue to move forward continue to 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 evolve and and continue to grow this thing and and genuinely like i i'll tell you now like when i you know i couldn't see us running york hall when i first did it i couldn't see us running york hall on a regular basis let alone selling it out you know and i've already said to you that my expectations with york hall was the attendances would go down to 600 people and we would balance it out balance the books by moving some expensive talent from the wage bill you know um and um but look at we what we've achieved with york hall so who's to say we can't achieve this with these ice arenas and then who's to say that you know we couldn't then take it one step further and run somewhere bigger and then who's to say where we wind up you know so it's an exciting point so it's exciting time and as i said on my twitter which is at a q u i l d a n you should follow me on twitter um as I said on my Twitter, like this is just the journey continuing, and I believe we are on a journey. And I'm not at the es- destination yet. Are we're we? not, not at all, mm. not at all. And you can join us every step of the way on that journey, right here every single week on the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that rundown. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Boy Simmons B O Y S I 
M-M-O-N-Z. So it's, uh, I hope this has given you some insight into Strong Style Evolved UK. hope we've answered any questions you might have. Um, and I hope, you've in, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. Um, because I think, I believe, we'll be looking back on this weekend as a, as a real crowning moment, a real big achievement. Um, and uh, and anyone who came and supported and said nice things, I just personally want to say thank you. Because um, it's the nice things that people say and the support that they give uh, and seeing the happiness that we can bring by bringing these international stars over that really make it worthwhile and really make us say, you know, um, this is why we do it. So, yeah, there you go. We'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>